Hey, this is Mike Missanelli, and you're listening to the Feed the Embiid, the number one Sixers podcast in America. Yeah, 2-1 on his jersey, playing like he's number one. Best big in the league, and it's no debate. Booze from the haters, point him to the exit. I guess every franchise needs its process. Every franchise needs its own process. Coming down the lane, yeah, watch your head, yeah. We post a every game, yeah. Get your Kodak. Once he gets you under the basket, you better just pray. Hit you with the jab step, knock down, lock from Ben. Get out the way, and one, let the fans know it. Yeah, homie, let the fans know it. Watch the trailer, the three is going in your eye. If you mess, you better get back. Cause if the bees, there won't be a putback. Keep all that trash out of the paint. Cause the bees will put it back in your face. He's a cold blooded killer, and he take no prisoners. Yeah, dump off from TJ. Call it the feed to a bee. What's going on, everybody? This is the first episode of the Feed to Embiid in a new season. That's right. We are we are in a uh, the 2020-21 NBA season that is upon us at this time. Brock, my my good pal, you turn 21 tomorrow. 21. My <laughs> young, my youngster Brock Landis is 21 tomorrow. Um, I, I, I can't believe my young son has, is, 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 is growing so fast. Um, and I did reward you with a King Cobra for your birthday for that. <laughs> there we go. Got one of these on here. <laughs> Love that. Um, so how are you doing tonight? My, my, my buddy. I'm good, man. AK, you know me, I'm living my best life. I'm unbothered. So wins and losses in the NBA, it doesn't affect my mental. But I've been all right in Austin. Uh, quick little shout out to you when I got that package. It's funny, Austin asked for my address. And it's not every day people ask for your house address. So I know you're a good guy. You're not up to no good. But I'm thinking to myself, like, what the hell do I have to give Austin Crow my address for? Why is he asking for my house address? Is he trying to dox me? Like, did, did he not like the energy I brought on the last podcast? Is he going to dox me? So after a few minutes, I sent my address and then it dawned on me. It's probably like a, a holiday package. We're both Jewish. We already celebrated Hanukkah. So I'm not getting a package late in December for Hanukkah. So I'm thinking maybe it's like a Christmas, uh, one of those uh, little packages for Christmas, a gift or something. And I know you know I don't celebrate Christmas. So again, I'm like, I don't know if that's it. And I got the package in the mail and I saw on the label, King Cobra. And then it made sense. I was like, okay, you sent me a King Cobra. When I opened it and I read the note, it was only like a sentence or two. I don't know, man. I just got goosebumps. It was one of those like Kobe and Shaq, Gary Payton, Sean Kemp-esque moments where I read the note and I couldn't stop smiling. I just put it down. I was I, I was thrilled that you sent me that. So Austin, AK, I appreciate you very much. There we go. Uh, my man. So you turn 21 tomorrow. And of course, uh, the Sixers give you a reason to celebrate. Yeah, yeah, a nice drubbing at the hands of the Cleveland Cavaliers. We are three games into this season; they're two and one. Um, and I think you know this is a time you know we, we reflect on the first week of play, um, and we kind of give our observations, and you know. I, I think for me, one of the things is I'm kind of struggling with this, like, how, what, at what sample size do you say, okay, this, we know what this team is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like, like, like at what point is it, oh, it's three games, oh, it's five games, oh, it's seven games, oh, it's 24 games. You know, at, at, at what point do you say, like, no, this is what they are. This is what their problems are. These are real problems. Um, I mean, I, I think for me, the, the 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 first thing that is very obvious, is clear, comes to mind is, and everyone says it, but they, they do lack that, you know, perimeter creator, a perimeter shot creator. Tobias Harris, Tobias Harris can't even make a decision in, ta- in a timely fashion, let alone 
create shots off the dribble quickly. Um, and, you know, Ben obviously is, a, is an offense generator, but he is an, an isolation guy that can create shots for you off the dribble. I think they kind of have a by committee type thing going on with like Shake, Maxi a little bit. Um, and, you know, there are some guys here and there. But I think a lot of the same issues from previous seasons are um, front and center to go on this season. Um, but one thing that I have observed is, I mean, man, Danny Green's bad. <laughs> uh, it, it's it's not even Covington levels of mediocre. It's like the guy can make it from one spot and that's it. Mm-hmm. The corner, right? Yeah, those corners. Yeah. Uh, but like you can't dribble at all. Don't ask him to dribble. No. Um, his defense has kind of evaded him since mm-hmm. the season. Um, and that's a concern. And then again, I think about like, well, what did you give up to get him? You gave up a, a pick and uh, Al Horford. Like, like that was what you gave up. What did you expect? Um, so, you know, that, that's kind of where I am with that. But Seth Curry is a problem, I think, right right now. And again, it is sample size. So there is, a, you know, a benefit of a doubt to be offered to this point. But he's very timid in this offense. He's he he's not a quick trigger, quick release guy. He's looking to see if he should make the extra pass. He's looking to you know sort of attack the closeout off the dribble. It isn't like catch bang going up with it. Um, and that's a problem. They're they're not good shooters right now, and you know that could, that can change in a week. But they're not good shooters at this moment. Um, and there's a lot of things there. Um, that I think need to be tracked, need to be need to, need to be paid attention to. But right now, the shooting is a problem for me. I agree. Now, again, you talk about this sample size, and internally, there's a dilemma because last season, it's like we see it in ten games, we see it in twenty, we see it in thirty. At a certain point, the team is what the team is. And some people like to, to, to keep those goggles off where they keep saying, okay, this isn't who they are. They're going to improve. And I was one of those people last year. And then there's the people that overreact. It's one bad game. It's five bad games. It's a stretch of bad games. And you get the overreactions. But ultimately, you know what's on this roster, right? With Joel Embiid, he's exactly who he is. One of the most dominant bigs in the NBA when he's motivated and on the floor. And it shows in games when he's utilized that way. In the game against Washington, I believe 18 post-up attempts, and he scores 27-plus points. Well, historically, when Embiid has 15-plus post-ups, the Sixers win. They have a winning percentage way above 500, and his averages go north of 30 in those games. He comes back in the next game against New York. He's only in the post 10, maybe 11 times, and still he's able to assert his dominance. He's able to get deep into the post, get good positioning, get under the basket, and make an early impact. When he sets the tone, the team does well. The problem is everybody else on the team is exactly who they are. Tobias Harris is going to give you exactly what he's given the Clippers, exactly what he's given Detroit, the Sixers of yesteryear. He's a guy that's going to hit spots comfortably when he gets to those spots in space and he could get his shot off. He's going to hit them. But when he's asked to do more, when he's asked to make quick decisions off the dribble, when he's asked to bring the ball up past half court and generate offense, that's where struggles arise. Ben Simmons, at this point, he's 24, right? So I'm I'm still banking on his potential. But again, the organization paid him out a max contract before he turned 24 years old. It's his third consecutive season where we've said, okay, Ben Simmons has sky-high potential. He impacts the game in more ways than you can count on both hands and feet. Defense, rebounds, assists, generating three-point shots. The problem is, Austin, your opening remark is exactly right. The team lacks what every good basketball team needs, and that's a true point guard, an initiator of offense. The thing is, Ben Simmons is 6'10", 220-plus pounds, I'm going to say, right? I think he's over 220. He's probably like 240. Um. He plays the point, and that's awesome because every time you're in the half court and you can feed Simmons in the post and give him floor spacing, 
He's going to exploit the mismatch off the wing. He's going to beat guys with his speed and get to the bucket. The problem is Ben is nowhere near as aggressive as he should be on offense. And because of that, I can't call him a point guard. Kyle Lowry, more free throw attempts last season. Spencer Dinwiddie, more free throw attempts last season. Lou Williams, more free throw attempts last season. If you watch Zion Williamson on the Pelicans, all he does is get to the rack and either get fouled or get a bucket. There's no reason Ben can't be doing that. And the thing is, he doesn't. Because he doesn't do that in the half court, there's this lack of offense, right? So in games where Joel Embiid doesn't play and you can't get him in the post and give it to him for a bucket 10 to 18 times a game, there's this serious lack of offense. And Ben Simmons is still one of the best offensive creators in the NBA. But the problem is if you can't slow down in the half court and run sets, which they did well with Embiid, the two-man game was thriving, If you can't have Ben Simmons run down in the half court and run sets as a point guard, it's hindering your offense. So, yeah, of course, the Sixers still need a perimeter scorer, a guy that can create off the dribble, a guy that can take guys to the elbow, make a move, and then do something. They can isolate. They can drive. And unfortunately, the Sixers historically have thrown low-usage guys into this role. Shake Milton, low usage. Seth Curry, low usage. TJ McConnell, low usage. They – continually overlook the fact that they need a point guard to really kickstart this offense in a gear. And until you have that point guard, you're going to have nights where there's 21 plus turnovers. You're going to have nights where Ben Simmons dribbles into the paint. He jumps in the air and tries to make a pass and he just throws it at nobody or he throws it off of a Cavalier player. or He gets blocked because he's so fast. He's running down in transition. He beats everybody. The teammates around him get set. Now he's so deep under the basket, there's no pass to make because he's ran so far past everybody at such a fast speed, there's there's just no pass to make. He's swarmed now. So, Austin, I think your opening point is exactly right. I'm shocked that I was right about something. Wow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, don't forget, everybody, to leave your comments, your remarks, your questions debate topics in the comments section. We will be responding to them all show. Um, again, only going to go for about an hour or so tonight, maybe a little less because Brock has a big day ahead of him tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, all that stuff. So, you know, I, I don't think it's the point guard part of it that's, like, the issue for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it's just, like, you don't have that guy uh, that – is going to create you shots when an offense stagnates. Like against the Wizards, it was it was disgusting for that first six minutes of the second half. Um, you know there were portions of the New York game last night that was an issue. They still they still cut down turnovers um, and and were better with you know better there. But then it balloons right back up again last night or tonight. Sorry. Um, and I, I and you know my my real my only real problem with Ben is that um, he, you know, those jump turnovers where he he goes to make a pass that isn't there. He jumps for a play that isn't there. And he's just sort of like, well, you're either going to throw the ball away or you're going to come back down with it because we know you're not going to shoot it. Um, And so those plays are problematic for me. Um, But really, like, I think – the, the lack of aggressiveness and scoring is kind of something that we've seen out of him in, in years past early on, because he just doesn't kind of, he doesn't really know like his new teammates yet necessarily. Um, and he's, he's just trying to figure out like how he can distribute the ball, get guys involved while also, you know, being effective himself. And when you kind of don't know what guys are, what makes guys tick, you are going to try to figure out what brings out the best in them first before, you know, as a, as a purported leader of a team um, before you try to go and, you know, get yours, but he will. Um, he always does, especially when it becomes close to all-star time, although that isn't a thing this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, and another thing for me, that's a concern is um, like, I, I know we expect, or I know, you know, the fans expect 
Doc to sort of like be this game changing coach and that like he's like, you know, he's light years better than Brett Brown. And maybe he is, but I mean, let's, let's, let's face the music. A lot of the same offense is present as it was last year. Yeah, it is. Um, other than implementing a little bit more two man game and, and, and the pick and roll, the offense does look similar. And of course you make another good point, Austin, there's new faces and new roles. So people still have to get adjusted to that. Um, but the thing is, like I said, this team is who this team is. Tobias Harris is an individual playmaker that could score at all three levels on some nights. He can't help his teammates out in the way of assisting. Seth Curry, the same, an individual playmaker. And if you want to make the argument, a low usage point guard. But there's really no point guard on this team that can kickstart and initiate certain plays. So a lot of what you'll see is Dwight Howard or Joel with the ball at the top of the key, and they'll initiate a dribble handoff. But they'll run the two-man game. But most of the creativeness you'll see with Doc is going to be on plays out of a timeout, on inbounds plays, maybe adjustments in the second half. I noticed in, in the first game or the, the second game it was, uh, it was the first time in a year where they had a fourth quarter with no turnovers. And prior, they had at least four to seven in each quarter. That's an adjustment that a coach helps make. Uh, but like I said, Austin, this team is who this team is. You can't disguise it. No matter how many shooters you put around them, this team is who this team is. But having said that, I think the floor spacing has helped, and, and, and it's been a noticeable difference. Uh, when Ben and Joel are catching the ball in the post, they usually have four guys or three guys outside of the perimeter and enough room to at least see if there's a double team coming or have space to work. Uh, so I have noticed some good floor spacing early. Right. Um, Marky215 says, Ben just needs to be more aggressive, scoring and cut those dumb drive and kick turnovers. Danny holds the ball way too much and makes bad passes. Dwight fouling too much and get the ball out. Cork my hands. I agree with a lot of that. Um, Dwight has been fouling a ton. And I think the fouling mm -hmm. thing is something that's been a problem for Dwight throughout his career. Um, and so I don't think that's going to somehow go away at age 35. It just, it's part of his, the end, it's part of his MO at this point. I do think there's an element of his reputation on itself to the wet, the refs having a, a, maybe a quicker whistle with him mm -hmm. than they do with other guys. Because there are times when he just like, doesn't even touch somebody or you don't even like, like the foul is called before the you, play. You, know, you remember so. that, uh, Indiana preseason game with Sabonis? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They were calling a foul every 30 seconds. Yeah, it, was, it was horrible. It was horrible. But I think in this role, and I, I think Dwight's been fabulous so far mm -hmm. as a leader. He's this been team, awesome, yeah. as, an, as an energizer bunny um, on the court. But I think in this role, when you had to look, when you look down the bench at the other options, it's like, are you going to really play Vincent Poirier, who hasn't touched the, the floor yet? Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, Tony Bradley's like okay energy guy but i mean he has no coordination it's like it's like a, it's like a hot potato, it's a hot potato as soon as he catches the ball um like ben is okay and as a small ball five in spurts but really it's a moderation type thing mm -hmm. and mike scott is dreadful as as, as a stretch five because they, they don't even respect him at this point they weren't even respecting him because he misses horribly more than he makes um but when I mean, you look down the bench and you're like, Dwight really has to stay in this game because when, there's a big, big, big drop off between him and the next best option to be the backup center. And more importantly, Austin, uh, we got to talk about Joel Embiid. I mean, this is the elephant in the room. This is something that I know we're going to touch on. I don't know how you feel about it, Austin. What? Uh, if you want the fabricated answer, the true answer, I'll give you both. So the true answer is that I personally don't care. I mean, listen, they said it was back tightness. Austin, I have back tightness, okay? Now, I hate being that guy because Joel Embiid's seven feet plus, 280 plus, whatever he is. It's a little different. <laughs> so if the dude has back tightness, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's say he's back tight. But let's call a spade a spade. It was load management. This is the second of a back-to-back. -back. Doc can say it was a late scratch. This was load management. So the true answer is that I personally don't care. I think load, load management is beneficial. And listen, I'm not paying Joel Embiid to do a job. 
That's up to the organization that's paying them $150 million and the coach is getting $5 million a year. If they're worried about it, they have every right to me. I'm not paying Joel Embiid to do anything. He doesn't owe me anything. So if he wants to take a night off, I'm completely fine with that. The fabricated answer I'll give you, which is probably the answer most fans will give you, is that it's ridiculous. He set out tonight, and I can understand why. If you look around the league, Nikola Jokic, he played 15 more minutes than Embiid through their first two games, almost doubled him in touches, and he'll play 30-plus minutes tomorrow versus Houston. Andre Drummond, second game on a back-to-back. It's a good matchup. Is that ESPN tomorrow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Houston, yeah. But I don't know if I don't know if Boogie and Wall are playing because I don't know if they complete the seven. Speaking of Harden put on a show last night with a six-pack of beer under his shirt. Yeah, he did. That was funny. So as I was saying, Andre Drummond's second on a back-to-back. He played overtime in his previous game. He had seven more touches than Embiid through their first two. He played 30 minutes tonight. DeMontis Sabonis, second of a back-to-back. He played more minutes and had more touches than Embiid through their first two games. He played over 30 minutes tonight. Julius Randle, Nikola Vucevic, it's a continuing trend. More minutes, more touches than Embiid. In both cases, they had back-to-backs. This was their second on back-to-backs, and they both played upwards of 30 minutes, right? So if Joel Embiid wants to be in consideration for the Most Valuable Player Award, he's going to have to start taking accountability and, and, and play these games. I don't know if it's him babying himself. I don't know if it's the organization, the coaching staff babying him. But LeBron, at 35 years old, played 67 of 69 regular season games. Giannis played 63 of 68 regular season games. James Harden played 68 of 72 regular season games. So Austin, Joel Embiid, if you want the truth from me, can sit out as long as he wants, as many nights as he wants. If it will preserve his health and he'll play every minute the team asks of him, come playoff time. But the fabricated answer I'll give you, which is the answer most people will give you, is which that is it's ridiculous. The the management on WIP will give you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but a game like tonight, Austin, I don't know how Embiid can sit on the sideline and, and, and watch his team get shellacked by the Cavaliers, right? He could have gone out and played 25 minutes, 20, 25 minutes at, at the most, and still would have been well-rested for Toronto on Tuesday. I just gave you a list of five other centers that did it. So there really is no excuse. If it was real back tightness, then okay. Um, but knowing Joel Embiid's history, and especially with this team, I think they gave him the night off. Fair enough. Um, I mean, I was in the conference after the game, and it's a, at this point, that's just me flexing a little bit. Um, uh, <laughs> but um, Doc said it wasn't a worry to go, wasn't a worry going forward, um, and that they, they don't expect it to be a lingering issue. And for me, you know, I, I remember reading a piece from Mike O'Connor for the Ricky um, that was basically like back when Ty Lu was the Cavs. He would basically like put them in in worse position in regular season games to win um, by like blitzing pick and rolls and basically get like forfeiting you know the lane in, on defense because mm-hmm. they wanted to prepare them for 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 the Cavalier or for the uh, for Kevin Durant and the Warriors. So I mean, it's a sort of a similar idea. Like I, I think number one, sure, there's probably an L, I mean Doc even says there's probably there like he says you know I there we don't want a chance at this early in the season. So in other words, load management. You, you don't want to change anything. Load management. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, I think they recognize that the guy, you know, he he can be injured from, from at any point, and they want to get those reps and get some evidence and some and some data to work with um, as early as they can when games aren't as critical necessarily um, without Joel there. And so I think tonight they thought was a good opportunity to do so is to get some reps without Joel on the court. Um, and if that puts them in a better position to win games in March and April and in the playoffs, if, if Joel has to sit, then I don't think anyone's going to give a shit about a random game in, exactly. on December 27th. Um, it just, it stings because the Eagles lose today. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, um, the, the fans in the city are, are, are ridiculous. Nadir Aga says, I fully blame Doc. Of course you blame Doc. I blame Brett Brown. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I, he, he fully blames Doc for Corkmaz airballing threes. Um, I mean, let's talk about, about Corkmaz. You can use him as a ball handler in moderation, like from t- like like on like a one every five or six, maybe seven plays. You can allow him to navigate a pick and roll in space. He should not be navigating it multi multi possessional when he's in the game, and the guy misses so many open threes. It's absurd, and I know that they're, they're humans. That they're it's like it's the NBA. It's it's a deep shot. It's not an easy shot to make. It is when your role and your specialty is shooting threes. There's no way Corkmaz should be. It's, there's no way I should have to second guess whether Corkmaz is is is, is going to make make or miss an open three point shot. It's 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 absurd. He's he and if he's missing those shots, you can't play him. He's not effective otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, and those minutes in a blowout are better served going to Tyrese Maxey, Isaiah Joe, or Matisse Thybul. Um and Doc says that you know they're going to give Thibault his chances. We'll, we'll see. Um, I, I think if there's a trade package out there, he's probably involved in it um, in some way. Um, Marky two one five says I notice every time Ben is on the elbow about to make a move, Tobias is the paint right behind him, trying to post up to Doc. Need to remind them what their roles are. Um, I so I actually noticed this today in the Cleveland game. There was a time when Ben was moving off ball and the ball swung to Tobias in the corner and Ben comes and posts up like right under Tobias's right leg and you're, and puts a defender, a health defender right up in his face. And I'm like, what are you doing? Get out of the way. Go to the evacuate to the other side <laughs> of the court. And Tobias is like, doesn't know where to go. He's like jab stacking, having an aneurysm on the court. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's like, it's like a disc skipping a skipping a it's like a, a crack in a in a, in a, in a cd <laughs> it keeps like skipping it and goes back and over and over again and, and he had nowhere to go and ben isn't noticing it and it's like what are you doing to get out of the way i um, saw um it was in the next game i don't know so much as in the first game but uh, when Embiid was posting up i noticed that ben was usually in the dunker spot he was the only other player in the perimeter with Joel Embiid on most of these post-ups, and they would flash him in the dunker spot to get even closer to Joel Embiid and bring more defense there. So I asked my dad, and he told me it was because if you flash Ben, then the defense has to respond. Somebody has to account for Ben, so they have to go get him as opposed to throwing a double team at Joe. That's also a little subtlety I noticed, but uh, one encouraging thing – to, to flip that coin is that I saw some plays in the first game where if it was like a horn set or they, they had staggers in the wing, I'm using a word you taught me. Um, ben was in the corner and the Sixers were still able to eliminate the baseline help. So in other words, the player that can't shoot that everybody's worried about shooting Ben Simmons had enough gravity just standing in the corner on some of these horn sets where the defense still had to respect that shot. They still had to play somewhat close to Ben where it made the offense's life a little bit easier driving because there was no baseline help there. They couldn't sag off Ben that much. Um, So I've seen good things. I've seen bad things, but I think it's going to take a little bit of time to get fully used to Ben's role under Doc Rivers, because right now I really don't know what it is, Austin. I mean, it's, it's, it's a primary ball handler. It's, get a live rebound and get down court. Uh, But at the same time, tonight was a night where it it was just a brutal look for Ben, not being aggressive enough, not getting to the line enough. And it's where all of his problems really get scrutinized. The one thing, Austin, I didn't like about tonight, and you know that I'm a Ben Simmons apologist through and through, and, and I'm one of the, I'm at the forefront of the Ben Simmons defensive player of the year campaign. You can't be a defensive player of the year after a game like tonight. So you shut down R.J. Barrett. Somebody's got to post bail for him because he was locked up by Ben Simmons in the New York game. But with no Joel Embiid tonight, no anchor defensively, no rim protector that'll keep his head on a swivel and makes you able to play guys closer and step out further. With no Joel Embiid tonight, Ben Simmons got grilled on defense. 
and it was a collective effort. The, the, the Sixers' entire team looked terrible defensively tonight, but there was almost no resistance from Ben Simmons. And this is a guy who last year kept Colin Sexton and Darius Garland to a combined four of 16 from the field with four combined turnovers. So serious lack of production for Garland and Sexton a year ago. Tonight, Cleveland's offense, they were firing on all cylinders, and, and it, was, it was almost like the Sixers turned the ball over more than they put it in the bucket. Yeah, um, it certainly felt that way for sure. Um, Troy Fulton says, Ben Simmons is really holding us back. I am a fan of his. I really love his game. If you don't shoot, we will do this regardless. Initials that Envy is the best player on his team, and he is the man. I'm um, getting probably Embiid, right? I, I don't know what to make of that. Probably um, Embiid. Um, I, listen, I, I think the whole thing with 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 Embiid um, or with with Simmons and shooting, like. We have to stop doing this. I was listening to Jeff Van Gundy on the low post yesterday um, when I was at Chick-fil-A, my, my favorite restaurant. Got to have it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, like he was saying, if if they don't do it for Giannis, they, if they don't co- go out and cover Giannis, they're never going to go out and guard Ben Simmons. And the reason that you do that is because you can't take away everything. You have to take away the biggest threat, and that's going to inevitably always, always for Ben, for guys like Ben Simmons, for Giannis, that's always going to be the paint. So he can shoot as many as you want him to. He can make himself look as bad as he wants um, by, by by satisfying the fans to sh- by shooting the ball. They're never going to come out and contest because they're not going to leave the lane vulnerable and let him get to his strengths. It's never going to happen. So instead, instead of doing that and 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 harping on the one thing that he doesn't do, value the everything else that he does, which is virtually everything at an elite level. Ileano fifteen says Brock. It's my guy. I don't know who that is, but Brock. Temple alum. <laughs> There we go. There we go. Um, let's see here. Uh, Nadir says Mike Missinelli thinking with Harden. Sixers would have more than 48 to have against this Cavs direct. I think. Don't, don't put Mike Missinelli on my podcast. Oh, 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 oh. Mikey Miss on my podcast. I get he's a Villanova alum. He might even be listening. He's not a Villanova alum. Isn't he? He didn't go to Nova? No. Who am I thinking of? Who went to Nova? Me. You went to Nova. I thought Mikey Miss was a Nova guy. No. I guess I'm I guess I'm tripping though. He went to Penn State. Did he? Even yeah. all right, that's even worse. <laughs> that's oh. even worse. I, I like him. I like him even oh. less than I already did. No, but like, like, like. Okay, like sweet. Maybe they win. Maybe they're they're they they have fifty one points at the half with James Harden. Like, like it, it, if we're gonna do this after every single game, this is gonna be the most miserable season yeah. ever. No, they will. Even, yeah, they will. And it's no, it's 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 annoying. Um, Troy Fulton says, I don't want James Harden. I want Brooks from Phoenix. Oh boy. <laughs> Brooks. Booker? He doesn't he knows what he doesn't want, but he doesn't know who he doesn't want. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see here. Willard Robinson says Atlantis Brock looks like he looks like Ben Simmons, he has to go as well. I'm wow. Okay. I'm okay with wow. that. That's a compliment. That's a backhanded compliment, but I'll take it. Listen, listen. Brock goes nowhere. Brock is my is is, is the prized possession of our show. You, you're not getting Brock to go anywhere. Um, let's see. Troy Fulton says, even with that being said, our bottom man got outplayed two nights in a row. You beat the hell out of us. Nobody really talking about that. What? They beat him by twenty. What? RJ Barrett shot one of eight against Ben. Ben forced three turnovers. He shot like one of 14 from the field, RJ Barrett. I mean, no, I will say, listen, I love Julius Randle, left-hand goat, but he cooked Tobias in the first half. Oh, yeah. He he cooked Tobias on a grill in the first half, but otherwise, I mean, New York lost by 20 in New York. I, I listen. This guy, 
New York beat the hell out of us. New York, they 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 literally beat the Knicks by twenty points. <laughs> what are we? What are we doing? Joe only played five minutes in the fourth. They they potentially could have not even played the fourth. But then uh, here here's the thing I don't get right. You, you're killing the Knicks. You take Joel Embiid out. Okay, he sits against uh, who they who they even play tonight. I forget the Cavaliers. I forget already. Yeah. He sits tonight against the Cavaliers. Austin, man, I just – I don't understand it. The load management, just call it what it is. It's load management. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. T- Troy Fulton, who is slowly but surely getting on my last nerve in the show, he does show that he's weak. He's a strong – he's a strong great. He has all the talent. Um, and he can do it, but he just needs – you just need to get it together. Somebody's telling him where he got Brett Brown fired. Okay, are you gonna? I, I don't even know anymore. <laughs> this, guy, this, the, the, this guy has been up a little too late tonight. Um, wow. Wow, the the uh the the Padres just acquired Blake Snell from the Rays. All right, that's a big move. The Padres are a little better. The side, the side young pitcher. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, choice has stopped being scared to shoot the damn ball. Oh my god! Hey, why don't you show my fans? Put put my fans up here. Put my fans up on the screen. No, no, no. Before that, we'll get back to you. Wait, wait, wait. My wait, wait, wait. They're saying stay solid. <laughs> there you go, Brock. Brock, here's my proposition for you. We gotta get you a T-shirt. And we gotta we gotta sell t-shirts that just say stay solid, baby, with the emoji. <laughs> I mean, listen, man, I keep doing this and 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 I brand a little bit better. We we might put that in the cards. That that might be in the cards, AK. But you listen, that's not your idea anymore, though. Until you get that patented, that's my idea now. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um take a quick focus. To get a quick message from our sponsors, Brock, you are not 21 yet, but when you do turn 21, I suspect you will like shotgunning beer. And when you do, and you get, and you finally get invited to a uh, a party uh, with your nerdy self, uh, you'll probably want to increase your shotgun talent at those parties. <laughs> there we go. Check out my boys at the King Cobra. The King Cobra is a shotgunning tool that makes a perfect shotgunning hole under a second. Also, a tab puller, vent puncher, and all fits on a keychain. Look at this Cobra. Check them out on, on, on Instagram at the King Cobra Co. That's the King Cobra Co. And Cobra is spelled with a K. For 10% discount on all products, enter the code Trust the Cobra 10, all caps, all one word. Pick up yours today. Um, so let's go, let's go over to Tobias Harris. Mm. Um, so Tobias Harris, um, you know, he has really, really struggled with quick decision making um, at to, to, to this point in, in you know, the season. Um, and I, I feel I feel like um, he's gotten a little better at it. He, got, he was better at it tonight. Um, and I think he's slowly but surely beginning to like rise. Um, confidently in the jump shots, but he's got to like be like like a half a second gone. Like the ball's already the, the decision's already made. Half a second goodbye, it's over. Um, tonight he was like stepping into threes confidently. I think he hit three threes tonight. Um, in in the game against the Cavs, uh, he was dreadful against the Wizards. Um, you know, a little bit better, but still pretty much. Well, no, he was a lot better against the Knicks. Wasn't he a plus 32 against the Knicks? Yeah, plus 32, 50% shooting. Yeah. So I, I think it's something that, like, Doc has, has um, approved upon and has talked about, like, very quietly and passively. Like, he asked about it in the press conferences, and he's like, yeah, we'll get him to watch film. We'll be all right. Like, he kind of, like, acknowledges it, but then he goes very, past it very quickly. And then I asked Tobias about his decisions, and he was like, "Got to make your decisions. That's out." <laughs> Told me, somebody shut up, nerd. Um, but um, I thought he was better tonight. And you know, I, I think an avenue that they should explore that maybe they have, and I just missed it. But um, 
like if he's a if he's a more efficient and a better scorer, if he's making quicker decisions, um, what does that look like if you enable him as a playmaker? So like, what if you're allowing him to sort of branch out and do more than score? If you, if if you give him tunnel vision, you're kind of also not limiting him per se, but you're kind of making him fit in a box. And that's kind of what he was doing already in a sense. I think if you, I think if you enable him to be a playmaker in some ways, you can actually get something out of him more. And, and if you can get him to sort of find that balance between bang, bang decisions and then making plays, maybe there's something untapped there. Um, but then again, this is the same guy who can't do a jump stop. He, it's, a, it's always like a, like a reverse pivot into an offensive foul because he swings the elbow or he like – just travels and hits somebody or commits an offensive foul. <laughs> so um, I, I think he's getting better, but like the fact that we've been reduced that, you know, it's been, the conversation has been reduced to like, if only we can get him to stop thinking before he scores, it's pretty bad for guys making 30 plus million. It is. But Austin, I think giving him more responsibility as a playmaker or a ball handler is partially what factors into this lack of efficiency. So I did a deep dive into his numbers under Doc in L.A. and compared them to his numbers under Brett Brown in Philadelphia. And what I saw was a lot of uniform, like for the most part, everything was the same, if not higher volume in Philadelphia, the drives uh, off screens three-point shooting, things of that sort. And it made me wonder why the efficiency was so much higher in L.A. than it was in Philadelphia. And other than a slight discrepancy in pick-and-roll possessions, which there was more of in L.A. under Doc, it really came down to role definition. And I think that's incredibly important for guys like Tobias Harris. I call Tobias a street ball hooper. He's, he's an old-school street ball hooper in the sense that he's going to get grown man buckets, but he's going to get them in the same spot in the same way every time. I've said it three times this show already. Tobias is who Tobias is. Now, in Philadelphia under Brett Brown, he wasn't stationed in good positions. He second-guessed his shot because of that, and he took too many extra dribbles. But he's a guy where if you can get him downhill or free in space in spots he's comfortable shooting the ball, he's going to be efficient. So if he has the ball in the corner and now he's asked to maybe swing to the wing and then dribble around the screen and look for a guy in the other corner, look for a feed down low, that's when there's too many decisions for him to make. But if he gets the ball on the wing and all he has to do is navigate around a screen to hit the elbow for a pull-up shot, that's when you get the efficiency. When he gets the ball at the top of the key and all he has to do is move north-south around a screen, that's when you get the efficiency. When he catches it, steps into a shot, and with no hesitation, quick draw pulls it, that's when you get the efficiency. When you're asking him to do more than that and make more decisions, that's when you get the lack of efficiency, when he doesn't know his role, when he doesn't know where his shots are coming from on the floor. So I think Doc is keeping it very simple because that's what it is. This isn't a lack of volume thing. This isn't even a role definition thing anymore because Doc is his coach. He's telling them, this is what you have to do. This is where your shots are coming from. At this point, it's a Tobias thing. It's in his head. And Doc made a great point. None of us are in Tobias's head. So you can watch film all you want, but unless you're Tobias, you're not going to know what he's contemplating. But what I've seen in the past two games from Tobias is better decision-making. Confidence in his shot. Get it, quick draw, shoot. Don't make a, an extra jab step. Don't take five extra dribbles. Don't make your job any harder than it has to be. Get to your spot. Get to where you're comfortable shooting and let it fly. And that's why I think he'll be efficient and probably return to L.A. efficiency under Doc if he can maintain this role in Philadelphia. Yeah, I... I... I don't even know what to say anymore. <laughs> um, 
maybe you can get to a point where he's confident. I mean, I just think he's lost all confidence, really. I mean, he does look a little lost, and that's compounded by the fact that he is the highest-paid player from the Sixers and has one of the highest-paid contracts in NBA yeah. history. Yeah. And I was I was talking to, I was talking to some people, and I do think that that weighs on him mm-hmm. more than maybe he would let on, or even the fans think. Like a lot of a lot of the fans, especially the older boomers who have like the egg Twitter and like the the the, the word plus like eighteen numbers followed by that for their for, mm-hmm. for their uh, username, they're like, oh, he's just getting his money and that's it. Gone. Like no, I genuinely think that he. That he feels like he, he he should be putting on more of a performance, and that, put, that puts added pressure on him to make every shot. Um, but I, I I think if you can get him confident again, get him making quick decisions, it's better for him. And all he needs is a string of like a couple of games in a row where you're getting, you know, 17, 18, 24, 26, 21, 30. You just get you know get getting them back. Getting, getting him back to a point where he's seeing the ball going into the basket and he's not missing uh, threes so short. Um, Brock, you really need to get a new camera, buddy. <laughs> I got the camera. I got the camera. I'm in HD now, too, looking good as hell, but I got to get this oh, focus yeah. on me. Wow. Look at this. This is riveting podcast stuff right here. Wow. The hand. That's a nice hand you got there, buddy. Yeah. Let's see if that works. Stay solid. Didn't work either. <laughs> Look, Moose just hopped in. My man Moose, he said we need him to be more consistent. I need this damn camera to be more consistent. That's right. That's right. Um, take a quick break and talk about our sponsors again. Our new sponsor. We have a new sponsor. It is the Thrive Fantasy Sports app. We that was officialized while I was working this week, so it's a new sponsor we have. Um, with Thrive, with the Thrive Fantasy app, it's a daily fantasy sports app for player props. Come hashtag prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. What you can do, if it's, if it's NFL, you can choose 10 of the, t- of the 20 players' um, prop options to build your lineup. If it's the NBA, MLB, PGA, or even eSports. They have eSports too, which, by the way, isn't actually a sport. That's, that's a different question. That's a different oh, topic. Bro, eSports <laughs> That's a different. That's a different topic. Don't different topic. That to Ben Simmons. He'll, he'll smack. He'll yeah, phase clan. Hit, hit me with the phase clan, baby. Um, choose five out of the 10 player prop options that uh, to, to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on the likelihood of, of occurrence. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. And then as you rack up, as you, as you rack up the points, you can be, become more likely and more eligible to win a share of the prize, of the prize pool. Um, use the code Simmons for three. It's not, it's non case sensitive Simmons for three. Users will enter the code to sign up, and when they make their final, their first deposit, minimum $20, that is, receive an instant deposit, match up to $50, and you will receive $20 cash. Um, the link we provide over Twitter. If you cannot provide it over the over this, we don't know how to. That would be some cutting-edge new technology shit right there. Um, but our new our new sponsor, Thrive Fantasy Sports. Make sure if you want to make if you want to win big money. You go download that app, enter the code Simmons for three, and they will hook you up. Um, now, Brock, next time we do an ad, you'll be 21, and you will be able to do the King Cobra ad. So I will give you that privilege. I will take over the Thrive Fantasy app uh, ad full time because that was the deal that I signed off on. <laughs> um, so you got to give a prop bet every show, though. Oh, dear. You got to give one prop bet every show, one that's going to lock. Listen. I just I just supply the ad and I make the money and I disperse it to you. Hey, where's my cut? <laughs> you get a you get a some sweet merch. You get a TPL hoodie. All I yeah. get is this King Cobra. No, but for real. Living down at a school where the crime rate's high, I feel like this is a valuable piece to have. You might think it's a King Cobra can opener. Slap one of these out of my pocket. Keep it in between my fists. <laughs> Game on. So I remember I was younger. I was like 21. You're going to Florida for like a vacation. Mm-hmm. I, I brought it with me because I thought it, I thought there'd be a point where I, I envisioned in my mind there'd be a point where I'd be shotgunning a beer on my back deck, I guess. That's some um, weird fetish. Like, listen, man, I don't kink shame, but 
Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Being kink shame. That just sounds like a weird, a weird fantasy. Uh, fair enough. Shotgunning. Fair enough. So I put the King Cobra in my pocket, which to get through customs or get to get through the TSA um, was it was interesting nonetheless. But I go to sit down on my on, on my my seat on the flight, and I feel this like this like pain in my in my like my left like upper backside thigh. I'm like, this is really weird. And then I go to the bathroom and I go up in the bathroom and I notice that like there's like something that like the pain's still there. And then someone in the alerts me, they're like, Are you bleeding? Are you okay? And I'm like, What what are you talking about? I'll get the back of my pants. There's like a big pool of blood in the back of my pants. Damn. I you have your period or what? I cut my yeah. I cut myself with the cobra and it was it was a nice. It was a nice cut. I needed like a stitch or two to close that wound Damn, back up. Is that serious? Well, I mean, I sat on it. I didn't do anything about it. I got a little weapon here. Look, who, who's, who's, who's talking with me in the chat? We got some comments here. I don't even know who these people are. I don't know what Troy Troy's talking to himself. I don't know what he's doing. No, uh, I got. Let me say what's up to Moose. Moose, if you're watching, my guy, I appreciate you. Uh, yacht. This is Yachty. I don't know if that's that's for Lil Yachty or what, but you're my guy too. Whoever you are, you're my guy. Stay solid, baby. Stay solid, baby. Oh no. <laughs> Mark Wenger says Tobias Harris uh play right now is like watching Charles Barkley golf swing. I don't know that it's that bad, but there was a point where he pump faked a three tonight that was wide open. They were down like 21. And then he said it was like a midi, a 15-foot midi. And I was like, this is the crux. This is what it's come to. This is the point of demise for this team um, when he do, when he does that. But um, listen, they still have such a long way to go, and the, the, they have you know there, there's going to be a lot of winning this season with this team. And I think ultimately, like, and I, I'm going to write. I, I tweeted this out already tonight. I'm going to write about it again. In my the last part of my column for Last Out Media, as Brock's camera goes in and out again. Um, you know, you're going to have a really good hinge profile. When you when when the what picture the hinge? <laughs> what is what? You, know, you know hinge? Hell no! What is it? Oh yeah, go ahead, go go Google it, go Google it. I'll Google that, Google it right now. I know you scheme an ass. I know what you do. Um, but there's going to be um, an element of randomness to this season, and I think we're seeing it right now. <laughs> what? <laughs> I look like getting on a dating app. You don't need an app for that. Come on, bro. Yeah, well, you either have it or you don't. Oh wow. Okay. Do you have it? Hey, listen, man. That's not for me to say. That's not for me to say. Do I have it? I, I don't know. I gotta listen. <laughs> I'm not a judge. I'm. I'm. Ju- I just. I just talk about basketball. You like that? That that song with Ariana Grande and. uh and uh, Mac Miller, it's like, I'm not a player. I just play a lot. <laughs> not familiar with the song, but I get no, Oh, shit, you are. You know you are. <laughs> um, anyway, now that I've embarrassed myself enough. Um, Goodness so, gracious. So there, there has been a, a, a pretty significant element of randomness to the season. Um, and like, you look at Christmas Day, four blowout, really almost five. Um Tonight, Nets lose to the Hornets after they beat the Celtics by like 20 plus, and the Warriors by like about a billion. Uh, the Clippers lose to the Mavericks by 50 after beating the Nuggets and the Lakers. Um, the Cavaliers beat the Sixers. The Bucks lose to the Knicks by 20. There's there's going to be um, an element of randomness to this season because of quick turnaround, a lot of quick turnover with rosters, and people just trying to figure things out real quickly. Um, it's really important to not drive yourself crazy by by jumping back and forth with this team or with any team for that matter after every game. So you got to take the aggregate. You got to not take every performance as if it's like the the do or die, um, and you got to think rationally. Which I know for in the city of Philadelphia is just like a, 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 an illegal act. Um, but it's something that you have to do to keep perspective is to, to, to think about the fact that there, there's going to be a lot of teams losing to bad teams on any given night. 
And I think there's going to be a, a couple, there's going to be teams that are, that you think are supposed to be bad that are actually kind of good. Maybe if, maybe okay. Um, I thought the Cavaliers played really, 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 really well tonight. Defensively, they were all over the passing lane. They were making every shot they took. Um, they really weren't turning the ball over that much. And, you know, they're not, a, maybe not, maybe not a good team, but they played really well tonight, I thought. Um, and some nice bad teams are going to play well. Um, Brock, any, any parting shots? To kind of piggyback on what you said, it, it's basketball. It's entertainment. It's a sport, okay? And we're fans of the sport. I'm generalizing here, but we're fans of the sport. Some cover it, some watch it, some play it. But ultimately, you don't know these guys playing it, and they don't know you. So stop well, 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 well. Yeah, humble brag. They, they might know AK. A couple of them might know AK. I, my, my two questions I've made at NBC Sports Philly the last two nights, mm-hmm. my family has been texting me nonstop. They're okay, just, there you go. A little like, bit. Of we hear you. We hear you. We hear you. <laughs> a little bit of clout. Okay, so I, I generalize, but for most of us, we're just fans. Okay, so you shouldn't be losing any sleep over wins and losses. It shouldn't affect your mental. You shouldn't take to Twitter and run on the internet and rant about why the basketball team you like stinks or why the player you like doesn't shoot. All right, just take it easy. We're three ga- Take it easy. We're three games into the season, okay? And when I say we're, I'm not speaking about the Sixers. I'm speaking about, as NBA fans, we're only three games into the season. So relax. Enjoy basketball. Appreciate it while it's here because last March it wasn't here for a while, and a lot of people, including me, were down bad without it. So just watch basketball. Look around the league. Watch other players enjoy their greatness and root for your team. But at the same time, don't lose sleep, man. Don't let it affect your mental. And that's all I have to say, Austin. I appreciate the King Cobra. And in about uh, 20 or so minutes here, I'll be 21. So we can start getting some revenue for these King Cobra ad rolls. <laughs> um, have you watched any? What teams have you watched so far? Like besides uh, international? I watch everybody. I've, I've probably seen one of each team's games so far. Do so you think you've seen all 30 teams play? Um, I watch. I've seen every team play live except for the Magic. I haven't watched the Magic games live yet. But have you watched? But you watch. You watch full games. Yeah, of course. You watched every team play a full game except for the Magic. Da- damn near, I've probably watched every team play at least one full game this you season. A lot of time in your hands. I do, bro. I'm on, I'm on winter break. What? I don't have it. We're, we're locked down. I comply with the restrictions <laughs> that are associated with COVID-19, right? I yeah. like to wear my mask. I like to social distance. I don't go anywhere. I hang out with my friends and we watch basketball. So I'm on a 24-hour cycle. I, 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 watched, I watched Oklahoma City versus Charlotte today. Okay. That, um, was, that was a good game. Al Horford looks so bad. <laughs> so what? You watched it from yesterday today? Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. Charlotte Charlotte had another nice game tonight. Yeah. Charlotte, I think, is going to be fine. Um, they're going to get their pick and roll defense in order because they, they don't cover it well. Yeah. But Horford looked really bad in Oklahoma City. He did. He did. And for all of the fans that were saying, look at what Horford did. Look at him in the preseason, 15-20. Yeah. He's not Horford at the end of the day on yeah. Oklahoma City. But Austin, thoughts on Darius Baisley? You like him? Time will tell. Um, I like him a lot. I I I thought that Pokuchevsky kid looked like he was way out of his league. I mean, he he had no idea where that ball was going on, on any. Yeah, track. he's 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 young. Yeah. Um, but um, I saw uh, Scout with Brian did a piece on him as to why he'll be he'll he'll be like the next the next freak athlete unicorn big. Yeah, I watched uh, Minnesota and. Detroit. That was another good game. Detroit team is so freaking weird. <laughs> yeah, they are. I, I mean, I like Killian. I like that Derek is his mentor. And and listen, we we were talking about Blake Griffin with the strap, bro. He had he had eight. I think like twenty four of his twenty six points came from beyond the arc. Blake was torching from deep. He was he was torching. Box development right there. <laughs> he was torching. Um, no, but like 
I was thought it was really interesting that they bro- they bought they brought both D'Lo and Anthony Edwards off the bench. Yeah, um, I think they're going to have some problems sorting out that rotation, but Ricky Rubio helps everybody, so he'll probably uh, yeah. anchor that offense and play point. But I mean, between Edwards, Malik Beasley, and D'Angelo Russell, uh, there's a lot of offense, and there's virtually no defense between the three of them except for Edwards. So once Edwards gets a little more acclimated and, and gets his feet under him. Uh, he he can definitely seize a starting spot in that starting five. Yeah, and then the, the game I watched, um, New Orleans and Miami. On Christmas? And, yeah, and I, I got to tell you, I think if I, if I had to guess, they probably re-signed Steven Adams to boost his trade value at the deadline with the intention of flipping him because I don't think that, that's a fit at all. Well – Offensively, it's not because why would you want to clog the paint any further when you have a guy like Zion who's just going to drive or get all of his buckets in that area? Uh, but defensively, Zion isn't good enough right now to be a starting center. Uh, so at least for the time being, Stephen Adams can help them out defensively. I think Eric Bledsoe is a piece they'll have to move on from. He's he's more of an albatross than, than Stephen Adams, in my opinion. He looked pretty bad. I don't know if you've watched any Indiana Pacer games. I've watched – both of the Boston games so far, all three of them, I should say. Uh, Tatum is a killer. He's 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 got a he, he's got a great bag. I think he's overrated. He he's not. He's not. I'm, I, I promise you, Jason Tatum is a killer. Um, he might be. Jalen Brown looks like he's he, he he's stepping up and he wants that offensive responsibility to be to be that that second scoring option in Boston. But without Kemba Walker for a little while, uh, Boston could struggle. But they still look really good. Uh, that Tristan Thompson, Daniel Tice lineup, though, <laughs> that's a little suspect. But my main point, Austin, Indiana, if you have a chance to watch him, you got to watch DeMontis Sabonis. I mean, he's legitimately blossoming into one of the best players in the NBA. And I don't think I'm over overreacting. I mean, through his first three, 73 points on 47 shots, almost 60% from the field, four of nine from deep. Double double in each game. He's he's a menace on the boards. One of the best screen setters in the league. Uh, so Demontis Sabonis is slowly, quietly blossoming into one of the best players in the league right now. I I watched in the Nets and it hit me that like Jarrett Allen's quietly gotten better mm-hmm. at finding guys off of the short roll. Like there was a play against Golden State where he like, where he sets a screen. It's a slip screen, and then they feed him the ball. He has it wide. He has like he, he's within like an arm's length reach. He could just like dive to the rim and just flush it. Um, and he sees um, Karis Levert in the corner. That's my guy. And, and I like Karis, and he hits him with this beautiful pass, and it's an open three. And he nails it. But I, I was looking at stats, and like Jared Allen averaged like. over a point or so per possession on pick and roll as the roll man. And it was like the frequency of scores was like above 50%. So it was basically like he was scoring every time he went to the rim. Mm-hmm. And here he is, he's kicking to a shooter. And I was like, oh, they can get him off that short roll. That's a good, that's a good play. That's a good play. See, I like the Nets. And I mean, Kevin Durant is just lethal. Like it's, it's, it's abuse in the half court. And we'll talk about this game in a second. But the best team in the NBA is the Lakers. I don't think anybody should fool themselves trying to convince themselves there's a team better than the Lakers, okay? LeBron James, who's on cruise control. I I mean, LeBron is chilling, okay? He's putting up eight threes a game. He's chilling. It's LeBron. And and he's these, like, one-legged floaters. (laughs) Yeah. He, he just chucked one off. Like, he just gave down, messing around, shot at three, didn't even come close to the rim. Your reaction to that was hilarious. It didn't matter. But between the two of them, LeBron and AD, you get 50 points. And as if that's not good enough between your two starters, the Lakers needed a third scoring option last year. Mind you, they won the championship. But what they lacked was a third scoring option, a guy that can get him a bucket, a primary ball handler. Alex Caruso on certain nights did that. Kyle Kuzma on certain nights did that. KCP, Dion, but they really lacked that third offensive focal point. Now, none of that matters because you've got Montrez Harrell and Dennis Schroeder who combine 
or a third offensive focal point. The two of them on top of LeBron and 80s 50 points gave you 40 points altogether over 55% shooting from the field. When you get 90 points between four players and you score 138, that's unreal. And LeBron assisted 17 of those remaining 42 points, whatever that number was. So they had their footprints over that entire game, and they're just abusing teams. Like you thought the Montrezl Harrell-Lou Williams pick and roll was nice? Dennis Schroeder and Montrezl Harrell is unbelievable. LeBron James and Anthony Davis two-man game, it's unbelievable. When you mix-match the four of them, the Lakers just have a multitude of ways to beat you now, and I really don't think there's a better team in the NBA. Yeah. Troy Fulton says, did you see the Mavericks and the Clippers? I, I got to watch this. I gave, I gave it a box score, like, scroll, and I think for me, like, the, like I took away, like, um, Paul George had, like, 15 points, and then – or he had like 13 and a half time. The next closest was like Ivica Zubox with like six. And I was like, oh, well, that, that tells you the whole story. They just can't make a shot. <laughs> so, I, I, I didn't get to watch that. I, I was really curious. Like, how are they down 50 at half? They only scored 27 points bro, by halftime. Bro, they only had 13 in the first quarter. Yeah, so I, I gotta go, I gotta go watch that game either tonight yeah. or tomorrow and see what happened. If, yeah, if there's an underlying problem or what. But, you know, I'm going to watch this week. I'm going to watch Indiana because she told me to. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a little bit of Chicago. Um, Don't do that. <laughs> I'm waiting for Zach Levine to one out before I start going like, this is the guy to trade for. Mm-hmm. Trade Zach Levine. Um, but, um, you know, that's that. Trez does look awesome. And he's added that pull-up midi where he's like jabbing. Oh. He was jabbing on Boban. Oh. And he- I pull up. I was like, I was like, oh, it's over. And he's 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 saying it with his chest after he gets buckets too, which yeah, is my yeah. favorite part about. Talking to Rick Carlisle, like Rick Carlisle never harmed anybody. Um, he's Brock Landis. He turns twenty-one in twelve minutes. Find him on Twitter at Landis Brock. I am at NBA Krell, and, and my name's Austin Krell, of course. As always, thank you for tuning in, everybody. We'll be back next week. Maybe even back a couple days, actually. Um, for another episode of the Feed to Embiid. We're going to, you know, I think we're going to pick up our pace a little bit with these because it is in season. But Brock has a lot of sleeping to do. I have a lot of work to do. <laughs> your ass is going to be up on hinge all night. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate that. There. Um, thank you, Matt. We appreciate that. Um, thank you, Matt. I, yeah, I think I called him Mark. Thank you, Matt. Um, but everybody, thank you for tuning in as always. Uh, have a good night. We'll see you next time for your episode of the Feed to Embiid.